Greetings. If you are just tuning in, you are listening to KSKQ, and the show that you are currently listening to is Dream Infringement. Infringement. That's right, folks. Dream Infringement is the name, and Music and Stories is our game. We absolutely adore putting together a curated playlist based on a weekly theme. We also come up with stories, historical, personal, uh, interesting, bizarre, hilarious, uh, dark. We come up with stories that span the spectrum of interests uh, based on that very same weekly theme. And this week's theme is... Childhood toys. So you will get to hear Emily, my co-host that you just heard, myself, Bobby, and Jennifer, our very close friend. Uh, we're all going to collaborate together to uh, entertain you and tell you things about... Toys. Toys, 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 toys. And you're probably thinking... This this is too too simple. Toys as a theme? Where's where's the layers? Well, well, my friend, my listener, friend, uh, I would like to tell you that we all uh, had a childhood at one time or another, and um, if you were a kid at some point, you definitely would have had something that you occupied your time with. And maybe you come from an era where toys weren't as plentiful. I came from an era where they definitely were. In fact, every television show that I watched was riddled with commercial breaks that were just trying to pressure me and manipulate me into buying the latest and best of shiny new object uh, to beg my parents for. So, uh, so that was something that was my experience. Uh, but even if you didn't come from that era, maybe long before that, there were still objects that uh, created childlike wonder. And that's what we are also speaking to. Um, and maybe all you had was a wooden block. But my friend, that wooden block would technically be considered a toy if you were playing with it. So, uh, the joke is on you. Toys existed, and we plan on talking about them. So excited. I feel like every episode we create this hypothetical um, person who is, like, being really dismissive of our show. And I think that that speaks to our own insecurities. I think you're right. I know that I know that uh, there's there's definitely an element of like kind of like a an invisible debate happening um, underneath all of this entertaining facade that we put on for you. For sure. Actually, a lot of things I do in life, I, I debate it with a, with someone in my head. Yeah, we're our own devil's advocate here at Dream Infringement. So. Uh, without further ado, we have a song, and it's called Good Old Days by Macklemore featuring Kesha. Enjoy. Now that I'm here, wishing I was still young. Those good old days. 
I really didn't play with baby dolls. They just weren't a draw for me. I didn't want to make believe babysitting or have the responsibility of a boring, clingy toy that you couldn't do anything with except rock it and see to its needs. That's a lot of responsibility to put on like a two and three year old. But there was one time when I did love one particular doll. And this is the sad tale of Little Black Baby, yes and no. When I was born, my mother's best friend was a woman named Carol. Carol gave birth about two weeks before my mom did to a little boy, and we were baby best friends. When I was around two, Carol was due to have another baby, and at that baby shower, someone gave her a little doll called Baby Yes and No. Now, Carol was black, and the doll was also black. Representation matters. It had a little button on the back that you could push, so it would shake its head no or nod yes. I was obsessed with it, to the point where eventually Carol bought me my own little black baby yes and no doll for my very own. I love that doll. Because I loved Carol and her family so much that it was like having a piece of her family of my own. And I think because you could communicate with her, like my parents would ask her questions and then make her do yes and no. She didn't feel like a doll, like a baby that I had to take care of, but more like a friend like a little plastic companion that I could take around. Right before I turned three, my dad decided that we needed to move 14 hours away because earthquakes. So for a while we were staying at his friend's house. It was a two-story house with this slick, slippery, gleaming, wooden spiral staircase. It was a complete monstrosity, just out of place and pompous, especially for a town named Hayfork. And if my three-year-old memory serves, the house was under construction, like they were building it from the ground up. They didn't just move in and, oh look, there's a ridiculous staircase. No, the ridiculous staircase was all them. I, I really hold a grudge against that, that staircase situation. My mom was going up the staircase, the scary staircase, and I was behind her with my doll. And my mom said, give the doll to me. Give me your hand and hold on to the railing with the other hand. So I took the doll's dress and I put it in my mouth. So now I had both hands free. And I also didn't have to give up my doll. So my mom was frustrated with this turn of events, whereas I thought it was genius. I've complied and got my way. I mean, win-win, right? But no. So my mom took the doll and she tossed it to the beanbag below, or she meant to. The doll sailed through the air and missed the beanbag landing on the hardwood floors and the hard plastic of its little body and face 
shattered. She was broken. She would no longer yes and no. Those functions no longer worked. I was devastated. I only had one doll after that. I wasn't particularly interested in it. I think it was probably another gift from my grandmother. It was this doll that you could put water in a bottle and feed it and then it would pee on you. And I decided to do that right before we were going somewhere and I remember my mom being like really angry like why did you do that why did you make the doll do that and like get your outfit wet I was like I don't I don't know those executive function skills at like age four and five aren't so great perhaps um but yeah that was really the last doll that I I had and I didn't really play with her since the little baby yes no incident it has been 43 years and my mom has literally never heard the end of how she broke baby yes and no you would be surprised at how often it comes up randomly or you can make it come up randomly at one point about 10 years ago she found a very tattered very scary looking white baby yes and no on ebay and tried to make good the doll was terrifying. I kept it in a box in a closet for a few years and then donated it, but I doubt any other child would want to play with it. And I think I really only like that specific doll because it looked like Carol and her family, and I loved them. I think it's also a little difficult because I remember the event happening so specifically. I remember a lot of things from my childhood in general. And it's really strange to get into the mind of my little baby Jennifer self, my thoughts and motivations, the determination to manage the stairs and the doll, and truly not understanding why my solution wasn't seen as this great idea. Um, I feel like my thinking has not evolved significantly since then, just my ability to reason things through, maybe. I'm guessing my mom thought I might still like fall and then land on the doll and like mess up my face. I haven't asked her. I don't think she would remember <laughs> the events quite as clearly. It wasn't her doll being broken. But yeah, that was the sad tale of baby yes and no. My mom is still in touch with Carol and they talk on the phone now and again. So at least we still have Carol. So the song I picked to go with this is a cover of Bob Dylan's song Forever Young, sung by Joan Baez. May you build a ladder to the stars and climb on every rung. May you stay forever young. I'm sitting here with my two sons, Weston and Indigo. Um, we're getting ready for bedtime. Weston's brushing his teeth, so you might hear some toothbrush sounds, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, um, Indy, how old are you? Um, six. And I, I really love it. I just, I haven't been six. And it's just a long time. And I'm really excited to be, I'm really, I'm real. 
be proud that I'm kinda yeah, I'm six. Right, so Yeah, yeah, I'm six and that's it. So, yeah. Cool. So Indy is six. He's excited about being six. Six is a new experience for him. Okay, and then Weston, my oldest, is here as well. How old are you, Weston? Ten years old. He is ten. Now, you boys, you like toys, do you not? I'm a boy toy. Joking. I'm a toy boy. I like toys. Boys. Indy, what about you? You like toys? Oh, yeah, I guess. What's your favorite toy right now, Indy? Legos. Legos. What do you like to build with Legos? Star Wars monsters. That's awesome. Okay, Weston, what about you? What's your, You're getting older, so you're not quite as into toys as you used to be, but what are you into? Like, what's your favorite toy right now? I'm into making, like, giant Legos. I'm into making a lot of big Legos and just kind of experimenting with them. That's so cool. What's your favorite um, part about experimenting with Legos? Um, you can basically do anything you want. You can make anything from uh, from a turtle to a giant fire-breathing dragon. Um, you can just really do anything with them. And if you have the right pieces, you can do what you want to do with it. That's so cool. I love I love that about Legos, that they can really spark that kind of creativity in you guys. Indy has something else he'd like to say. Uh... Yeah, I just, this feels like a, mom's holding the microphone and it feels like I'm in like the news. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I just, I, and what I was saying about like building Star Wars monsters is building like Star Wars, um, robots and I guess one time I made, made one and it was called the uh, was called the uh, um it was called a shooter and it then it shoots whenever when you get close to it so I just I love Legos that's so cool Indy um what's if you had all the money in the world what kind of toy would you buy or if it's a Lego set what kind of Lego set would you buy it could be a toy or a Lego set. Uh, like, the crystal chain, I guess, and that thing up there. Oh. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I yeah. So, so, I think that we are the best family ever, and I just, I, I love it. That's very sweet. Okay, Weston, I have a question for you. Yes? Money's no object. This is hypothetical, of course. What toy or Lego set would you buy? I would probably buy, um, I would probably buy, um, I, I think I would buy the, uh, like, like a stormtrooper, but not a stormtrooper. I think I would buy an AT-AT. Oh, that's cool. That would be really cool. All right. Well, you guys are familiar with dream infringement and you know that my next question is going to be what song do you guys want to play or if you each have a different song we can play a song for each of you so weston what do you want to listen to to go with this this little story what song do you want to play 
Um, you know, this is for all you families on long road trips and the dad's sweating and the kids are yelling. Um, so here's my song. I want to play Dance of Doom from Lego Ninjago. That's a good pick. Indy, do you agree with that choice? Um, well, I was going to choose my own song. Okay, let's hear it. We'll play two songs. We'll play Dance of Doom, the Lego movie. And Indy, what do you want to hear? Um, putting on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. All right. Here comes the chorus, then I'll show you soon how to do the rest of the Dance of Doom. Dance. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Emily. You were a kid once. Hmm. How would I answer that if that question was posed to me, which it is? Yes, I was. You sure were. Some may stay, say. Some may say. You're still a kid at heart. Yeah, some may say that. And you've got the uh, toy collector's shelf to prove it. I do. I, uh, my shelf runneth over. I uh, have always loved uh, cartoons and science fiction and fantasy and all those things that like come with the territory of being like a, you know, kind of a nerdy um, millennial. Uh, with eyes and ears so I was constantly taking in content and the beautiful thing is there is no end to the amount of content that I can take in living in the year of our Lord uh, 2023 it is a wonderful time to be alive and to be a millennial who loves cartoons and pop culture of all types uh, because I can just like binge watch everything that I love uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, new cartoons like Adventure Time and Steven Universe and Bob's Burgers. Uh, I can watch like almost all of the Simpsons catalog, um, King of the Hill, old movies uh, that are in black and white that were weird like um, Wolfman, things like that, Creatures from the Black Lagoon. So those things are wonderful and they have moved me to start collecting toys that I had when I was a kid um, and some new toys that as a kid I would have only dreamt, only could have dreamt of having. So, um, yes, I love toys. Uh, one of my favorite collection in my collection is uh, actually one that I obtained today uh, in like a consignment shop. Uh, you know, where people bring in all their stuff, all kinds of stuff. And, and so there's just like a, an assortment of random things. But I found in a bin uh, Homer when he was like moonlighting as a, um, as a, what do you call those, thi those, those things, those like characters for. Oh, a mascot. Yes. He was moonlighting as a mascot for. 
the Springfield Isotopes, and they would play that like anim uh the, that like elephant song where it's like and so he'd like just like dance really weird and crazy and everybody loved him and he wore a cape and a sideways ball cap and he had a number one foam foam hand on his on his hand and yeah and i got the stuffy like the stuffed animal or stuffed homer uh today and i'm very excited to have it also, I have a Lego Swedish chef that I totally pinched off of my sons. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, life is good. Yeah, sometimes Bobby steals toys from them that he knows they're not going to appreciate for very long. Yeah, I think that's fair. That I do. So, Emily, what about you? What What are your What was your, your What were your favorite childhood toys, um, and or uh, toys that you enjoy now? Well, I had a lot of stuffies growing up, and I was really um, methodical about like the stuffies that I would pick out. And a lot of times, um, I would pick them out because we would go to like a museum or, uh, you know, like a an aquarium or different things, like educational things. And my parents would take me to the gift shop. And they were very good parents, very sweet, generous, and they would allow me to pick out a toy. And I was just always drawn to the stuffies. So I just picked picked ones that seemed like they had soulful eyes <laughs> and like like I wanted to take care of them. Yeah, I think that that I think that the toys that we liked as children um, were uh, on some level, like a reflection of who we were as like tiny humans. Yeah, I think so. Um, I also really loved sets of things like like a. Like it created a story from the box, like if they like a farm scene, one of my favorite toys was like these plastic farm animals and they had like a little barn and um. I don't know. It was like looking at the box made me feel like the story was unfolding. And if I bought it, then I could like continue that story. So that was, that was a big pull for me. Also, I just feel like I need to mention that there was a time in, I think I was like four or five and I named all my stuffies Tina. Like I just could not, couldn't get off that name. I thought it was the best, best name ever. Tina. They were all named Tina. That's awesome. That reminds me of when I was like, uh, I think I was seven and at a yard sale, I pulled a little plushie. I don't know. Plushie is, is like a new word, but I used to just call it like a stuffed, whatever it was, um, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, what I pulled out of this yard sale box was a stuffed Ziggy doll. And if you're not familiar with Ziggy, it's based off of like this, this comic strip that was like a uh, semi-popular, I guess, in like the early nineties. And it's just like this very short round bald, like man, I guess with a large nose. And, um, he's very, he's very just like kind of a boring, mediocre personality person. Uh, and 
and moderately like humorous things happen to him and he has very little reaction to it uh but the that small reaction is was always like pleasantly amusing and i don't know that's the best i can do to describe it you could probably google like ziggy comic strip and read you know endless amounts of those kinds of comics but anyways i had a ziggy doll and i thought he was like the coolest and like he was cute too because he was like round and and had a big nose and um i think he was just like wearing like a pair of pants and like a white shirt um and i just carried him around all the time and i thought he was really great <laughs> okay i have one more question for you before we wrap up yes our little right here what was a toy that to you was like a status symbol growing up like did your friends have a toy that made you think like oh man like this kid's this kid's rich well yes uh specifically what comes to mind when you ask that question is uh gigapets those tamagotchis (laughs) they were like the height of wealth if you're if your parents and indulgence like if if a kid had a tamagotchi like uh clipped to their backpack or they carried it around and and uh yeah you knew like those parents they don't just like love their children but they love them with money and it just seemed like a very expensive like purchase that i knew my parents who had five children all a year apart my parents would just never spring for something like that um so yeah that was definitely like a status symbol in my mind mine was um like a dollhouse or like a barbie dream house and accessories for those toys i felt like if you had those things oh and also like the organization of it all i felt like that meant that they had a lot of money because i had I did. I Bobby. I had a lot of gigapets. I had so many. Oh man, I could only have dreamt of having like one, or even borrow one from a friend. I would have let you have one of my gigapets. I know. I know you would have, but I didn't know anyone like you when I was a kid. Ah, <laughs> uh, if we could turn back time. Oh, there was this other toy called a yak back. And it was like this little electronic, like handheld thing, and you press the button, and you like can record your voice. And I think maybe it warped it, but it might have just recorded your voice. And I thought that was like the coolest. We don't, we just make a lot of fart noises in it, and then play them back and laugh. Yeah, my friend had one of those too. Well, this has been really fun going down a toy memory lane. It sure has. It sure has. We should play a song. We should play a song. Do we have a song queued up? Um, yeah, we do. Actually, the song that we're going to play is... Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Because it's like, don't don't stop us from playing with our toys. Yeah, if I'm playing with my toys, don't tell me to stop. I'm just going to keep on playing. Because I'm having a good time, having a good time. Shooting star leaping through the sky. I will touch on my history with Barbies. 
for a moment, I had three, and they were ones my grandmother bought me. I don't recall ever asking for Barbies, and though my mom wasn't staunchly opposed to them, she didn't encourage them. They weren't her favorite toy of choice for little girls. So I had a golden dream Barbie who had like a gold lame style outfit, and I named her Suzanne because I didn't know all the dolls came pre-named Barbie. Uh, the next one was called Angel Face Barbie, and she came with her own makeup. And those makeup ingredients are just full of parabens, because, like, of course they are. Um, I named her Victoria. She was a bit more of a frosty blonde, and it felt like once I applied blush on her, like, it never came off. And it was so harsh and made her look so unhinged that I found her really intimidating. And then I had an all-star Ken. The box says, bend his arm and his muscle pops up. He's an all-around athlete. I mean, what little girl is going to be impressed by Jim Bro Barbie? I didn't name him. He just stayed Ken. He kind of looked like a Ken. He had this muscle shirt and short shorts and then this really pleading expression. His little eyeballs are painted on, looking upwards, like, please like me. It was weird. Ken was just uncomfortable. Suzanne seemed pleasant. She was tanned with honey gold hair and sort of an empathetic expression. You know, Victoria, again, had issues. She seemed like someone who came from money, who manipulated her way to get what she wanted. <laughs> like a soap opera villain. <laughs> I would put my Barbies in my closet at night because I knew, they knew, I didn't like to play with them. And I thought they would, like, come alive in the middle of the night and accuse me of not liking them. And then I'd have to pretend to like them so they wouldn't get mad. Like... <laughs> They, they wouldn't threaten me with, like, attacking me. They would threaten me with guilt. And I just found them very stressful toys to have. And my biggest toy moment came with My Little Ponies. And I remember the day I was sitting on the school bus going home when Keisha, she was a grade younger than me, pulled out a My Little Pony from her backpack and... I stared. I wasn't even in the same seat as her. I think I was a seat behind her and I stared. And it had kind of a soft plastic body and shiny glossy colored hair and these large soulful eyes. And I was transfixed. Like, what is this? Where did you get it? She asked if I wanted to hold it and I very much did want to. Uh, she was a very, very patient girl, and she let me hold it till one of us had to get off the bus stop. I, if I were her, I would have been afraid that I wasn't getting my toy back because, like, I was obviously completely transfixed by this toy. So I begged my parents to take me to the store, and I had money. I'm not sure how, but I had my little pony money, and there was ponies there, and I picked one out. And I had one of my own, and that just fed the fire. And it was amazing, this My Little Pony world. As new lines came out, I would amass them. 
I had the seahorses and the butterfly winged ones, ones with kind of a fur on them. I collected pony points and sent off for different things in the mail. My mom saved up and got me the My Little Pony stable, and then my grandmother bought me the baby buggy, which, I mean, who wants to play babysit? So I think I used it for the seahorses so they could see land. I had the My Little Pony sheets. There is nothing like getting into freshly washed, crisp My Little Pony sheets to go to bed at night. There is nothing that is equal to that experience as a kid. I loved braiding and French braiding and so I spent a lot of time doing intricate styles with their tails and manes and every once in a while there would be sort of a hair washing day and they'd all get like little baths and I took that responsibility quite seriously. And the Barbies and the ponies, they did coincide and usually how the story went was that Victoria was trying to trap the ponies for some sort of profit to either sell them or exhibit them or something and then Suzanne the nicer Barbie would find ways to set them free so they could return to Ponyland sometimes they take Suzanne with them that's generally how they played together but eventually age began to weigh on me and it began to feel like I had outgrown the ponies. I was probably 10 or 11 and I had this day where I very carefully packaged them all up. It was kind of a solemn ceremony of saying goodbye and kind of closing that chapter and that was the last time that I played with them. I remember my friend coming over and being like, oh, come on, you know, we can play, let's just play, just come on, just once. And I was just like, no, no, I have put them away. And it makes me really sad to think of it now. Like, why did I have to be so resolute? Who would have known if I took them out and played with them? My mom hung on to the stable. She still has that, probably because she really had to like scrimp and save to be able to get that for me. So it's, I think, a symbol of her motherly determination, perhaps. Um, and along with a lot of the ponies, I kept my favorites. I didn't keep the Barbies. I think you know why. <laughs> that was just a very colorful, magical time for me as a toy buying and playing child. I know probably for Hasbro it was all about the profit margin, but it kind of felt like they cared. I remember one time my butterfly horse, like it broke its wings and I, because you could kind of take them in and out and I, I wrote them a letter and I was like, hi, um, my horse's wings broke and I promised that I didn't play with it really hard or anything. I was very gentle and they still broke. And they sent me some replacement wings. They might have sent me a replacement pony. I'm not sure. Um, but I just remember that they did respond <laughs> and they made it right. So that was kind of a cool experience that they took my little kid letter very seriously. I found a creepy cover of the song 
pure imagination from the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movies uh, sung by Fiona Apple. So uh, here we go. Come with me and you'll be in the world of pure imagination. Take a look and you'll see into your imagination. Well, that does it for our show this week. Thank you so much for listening in. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Good night, everyone. We love you, Miriam.